and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about being super competitive, and the games that encourage this level of competitiveness. We've all seen these types of players, or maybe know them, or maybe are them. The player that must win. If you're not first, you've lost kind of players. Okay, yes, in a two-player game that's true, but that's not the point. The point is, we're going to talk about competitiveness in gaming. But first, as always, I thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC, and welcome, Joe Rexdad, who I feel like has been part of this show for so long anyway, that when I, I saw his name adding to our Patreon list, I'm like, Joe wasn't already there? But Joe, thank you. Thank you for being part of our Patreon family. Okay, so how are you guys doing? Good. I just got back from California and uh, already missed the weather. <laughs> Boy, are your arms tired? <laughs> I drove. Wow. <laughs> so Boy, are your feet tired? <laughs> no, I flew. Wait, you Fred, Fred uh, yeah, I was going to say, ask. did you drive to California? No. That's that's a long trip. It was a long trip. Spencer did that once. I, he's like, oh, I'm going through, I'm going through. And then he's like, can you find a hotel in Iowa for me? <laughs> like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, there's no driving from Chicago to California in one stretch you just can't do that. he was trying to do it in two stretches at least but it ended up being two and a half yeah i think you need a third yeah so yeah have you guys seen the new harry potter pokemon go i heard about it no. i haven't downloaded it i mean i watched sydney play it from the other <laughs> side of her phone a lot but i didn't actually look at the side that matters i th- i think it's um wizards unite this is the name of this game and I got a text message from her with a picture saying just actually it was just a picture of the app and I'm like, Oh, I should probably download this. So I played around with it a little bit and now I'm addicted and it's, it's going to become a problem. (laughs) Bless you. (laughs) I don't want to get into it. It, Like, I don't know. I was burnt out with Pokemon go, but Pokemon go. I don't know. It's only been a few days, so I'm not a hundred percent sure that, I'm not going to get burnt out on this one as well, but there is a lot more going on here. And yeah, so I'm just putting it out there that right now I'm, I'm addicted to it. I'm going to put my friend code on Twitter and in the show notes. So if you guys are listening and you're playing the Harry Potter Pokemon Go, which is how I will forever say it, but you can also say Wizards Unite, I guess, but it doesn't sound as cool. Um, add me as a friend. <laughs> I'll put my friend code out there. I'm, I'm just curious how many people will add me. I can only have 198 more because I already have two friends. Chris, I don't think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm going to double my current number yeah. of friends. It's going to be awesome. Oh, let's see. What else is going on? We're giving away. This is the last week to enter for our Pathfinder Adventure Card Game Core Box plus Curse of the Crimson, Crimson Throne giveaway sponsored by The Gift of Games in Grace Lake, Illinois. Um, and he had his one-year anniversary yesterday, and we had launched his app yesterday, and that was cool. So... If you want to see the Gift of Games app, you can certainly see it. However, unless you've actually gone to the Gift of Games, the app will just stare at you and say, I don't do anything. So it's really super exciting that way. Um, what other news do we have? Oh, I'll be at Dice Tower Con oh, in two weeks. Yeah, 4th of July weekend. I will be in Orlando at Dice Tower Con. So if you're going to be there, let me know and we'll get a game in. We're bringing Zachary. So that should be kind of fun as well. Our first long... Well, our first flight with him and our first basically week-long con with nobody to watch him and being away 
It would be easier to fly with Zachary at this point than it would be to fly with player three. Yeah, probably. It, take advantage of their lack of mobility <laughs> while you can. Yeah. Well, he's he'll be five months on Wednesday, and he's... He's like really getting, starting to get a lot of different skills. He's able to put, like, he can hold his own bottle and put it in his mouth. He can, like, put his own pacifier in his mouth. You just hand it to him and you'll figure it out. I'm like, wow, you're actually, I don't know if this is accidental. He's not going to be, yeah, he's (laughs) not going to be crawling by then anyway. No. Don't worry about it. You've got months. (laughs) Yeah. He is, he is rolling and slithering is what he does now. (laughs) (laughs) He'll move from slithering to army crawling and then from army crawling to real crawling. And then from real crawling to, oh my, it was nice when he yeah. was a baby. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about a topic in gaming? Probably. I mean, this isn't a parenting yeah. podcast. No. <laughs> Again, another episode of Tabletop Game Talk off topic. <laughs> We're really good at it. We are. All right. Let's see. This is our episode before 150th episode. We don't announce numbers anymore, but they're in the titles. So... Next episode, we're doing our top 10. That's cool. This episode, though, we're going to talk about competitive games. I did have a panic attack at like 6.30 tonight when I was out and unable to do anything. And I was like, oh, is it 150 tonight? <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Just so you know. We have but to. my list is mostly done. I have. I keep changing my mind. I have sticky notes on about 20 games that I have to narrow down. I've got five really solidly in, but. I'm struggling to reach 10. Fletcher, do you have 10 <laughs> games? You'll get there. You'll, you will. I know of it. All right. What is a competitive game to you guys? Like when you think com- super competitive games. Mm-hmm. The first thing that pops in my mind is Risk. Okay. Because when growing up, it was a very competitive game with you and your family. Yes. And, and I think that was just the attitude that we brought to it. But it also really plays into that attitude as a game, especially with player elimination. Um, I think that can really like the, if I want to keep playing, I have to be good at playing. Yeah. And depending on the play group you have, destroying somebody is actually kind of fun in that game. Like you're attempting to completely wipe someone off the map. Okay. Now go watch TV while we finish the game over here for the next hour and a half. Yeah. Hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming two hours have already gone by. No, it's next day and a half. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. All right, I can see that as being a, as far as board games are concerned, that's that's on there. And I like the elimination aspect. Monopoly probably could pull that out, too, where there there is no mercy in Monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of the games I think of where I think of super competitive games are games I played in my childhood. So I think that there's something about when you're a kid, you have to kind of like you first learn how to play a game. You learn the rules, you learn following them. Then you learn how to win a game. And then there's like that, I can win. I can legitimately win. Nobody's letting me win. I'm doing this by myself. And it's just like a power trip that you go on. And then most people either stop playing games or grow on to find a new reason to play games that like, it's very rare to find somebody who didn't move out of this, like, I have to win (laughs) of like, to me, it was like a 10 to 12 year old thing of just like, they're all megalomaniacs. So I like that you learn how to win the game. I think you learn how to win the game twice, as well as learning how to lose the game at some point. Because learning how to w- learning how to win a game, great. You now have the skills to do it. Learning how to win graciously is a completely different skill. 
completely different skill set. Yep. And learning how to lose. I feel like I learned lose. that one like two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're still working on it a little bit. Um, <laughs> hey. I'm just saying, this weekend we played some Keyforge and Sydney and I feared for our lives at one point. That is not even close to true. I got very frustrated with myself and my <laughs> but I don't think I got mad at you at all. You. That is true. You were you were upset. We were, we were just peripheral, but it was it was fine. It's totally fine because that is like I say, it's a skill to play a game that you really want to win and then lose at it. It's so hard when there there are like random events that feel like they're plotting against you. <laughs> the universe but it feels like the universe is just like no. <laughs> it's like I have this skill, I have this knowledge, I've put in this time and this effort, and the universe just was like eh. Not your night. <laughs> Before I go on to the next question, because I have a next the next question, which hopefully I don't forget. Fletcher, do you have a game that like is your go to when you think competitive games? That's the game you think. You about? know, I haven't played a lot of competitive games. I mean, I guess I have, but like, I don't know. Usually, what I think about is like Magic or something like that, or you know, now even like KeyForge. Um, but I would say. Usually, like, two-player card games is, like, what I think about, like, in a big convention center or, like, a gaming store or hall, like, just, or, or even Pokemon, something like that. Yeah, Pokemon's cutthroat. Yeah, it definitely is. It is. Yeah, collectible card games would definitely go into my top tier of games that bring out the super competitive side. Honestly, I think a lot of dueling two-player games, it, it's like a one-on-one thing, can be hyper competitive or crossfire yeah i mean i crossfire is super competitive or, wait is that what's cross that's the one with like yes. the ball bearings <laughs> okay that's what i thought <laughs> literally in a dystopian future battling for something i don't know what <laughs> but they're really excited about it, it um, all i remember is those things always got spilled on everyone's concrete basement floor and it was a death trap <laughs> see that just makes me think hungry hungry hippos which i was gonna say that too. lose <laughs> Everyone is just mashing and like they want to get all of the marbles and you just start hitting that thing harder and harder and harder and you forget that. Until its head falls off. Yeah. Yeah. And you look down and you have two marbles <laughs> because they all fell out of the dish because you were hitting it so hard. This is. This oh, I don't know. I've never had that problem. My problem was always that I would like launch the hippopotamus's head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why? Why did those games? They and they still exist. I guess they're fun. They're fun. It's fun to be competitive. It's, at it's times. the same thing as like the Rock'em Sock'em bo- boxers or whatever, like the boxing. Rock'em, rock'em Sock'em yeah. robots. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. The arm motions are really helping our listeners. Yeah, but everyone, everyone knows, knows exactly <laughs> what you were doing. So. The movement. <laughs> yeah. All right. So two-player games in general tend to be fairly competitive. They don't have to be like so when kit when not kitty well kitty and i played dice masters kitty will tell you i was hyper competitive and but she was more competitive and i just studied the game more and when there's that off balance of when you both want to win but one person knows more about the game because they just put more into it it doesn't make the game fun for either because side. Because one of them went to work, and the other person, instead of working from home, <laughs> learned Dice Master. Um, All for day the record, while the other person was at work. I or you were like listening to podcasts <laughs> while you were working. To be fair, I'll I give was, you that. Yes. Also, that. All of my stuff was hand-me-down from you, so you would go through and take all the good stuff and give me all your leftover things. A little bit, yes. 
I didn't buy a single set. No, so, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't have to because I had so many extras. Um, but you had first pick of everything. I well, there were some things that you had that I did not. Maybe fine. Okay, so this is what I'm getting at, though. This balance thing, where if you're both want to win, but there's not an equal balance there, it feels unfair, and like you can get kind of spoiled spirits. That's a phrase I'm going to. I was coin. definitely. I think spoil sport is what you're looking for. Well, spoil sport's fine too, but I think spoiled spirits really is what I'm trying to tr- really trying to say here. What? Yeah, define that because I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's the spirit of the game, right? It's it's you you you. The spirit of the game is to win, but to win mm-hmm. in a sportsman's type sportsmanship kind of way. So you could be a spoiled sport. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, you lost and you just get touted and stuff. The spoiled spirits, and I don't know why I'm justifying this term at all, but I'm going to anyway, is more or less, I'm not even going to play this game because, it, like, the premise is broken. We're not on equal footing. It's not fun to play it this game anymore. It stops being fun. Yeah. So, like, that's the other side of this. There's the super competitive side is, like, they take it too far. But there's also the, I'm just not competitive at this game. And when you're playing these games, usually where you have a buy-in, something like Magic, something like Pokemon, something like Dice Masters, you have to put in both money and time. And if you're not putting in one or the other, you're never going to be able to hit this level. And if you're playing against people who are at that level, you aren't competitive. And it's not fun. There has to be a certain level of like, you can't get super competitive, but you have to like be in the game or it's not fun. Right. So there are games that are like heads up and super competitive in some circles. Uh, the Game of Thrones card game. It's a living card game from Fantasy Flight. It's a great game. It's because it's a living card game. It's not collectible, which is fine. But it also means there's a limited card pool. And because you can make your own deck in that game, when you go to tournaments of this, you tend to see the same deck over and over and over. And this is this is basically the case in almost every c- collectible card game or build-your-own-deck card game. You see the same decks over and over. And, but the decks you see in, in some of these games are like two or three turn kills. Like, they're meant to end the game as quickly as possible. And for me, I cannot play those games at a, at a competitive level because it's not fun. It isn't fun to say, okay, let's just roll the dice and see who gets the higher number. Did you draw your combo or not? But the game itself, if you don't play it competitively, if you like make theme decks or something like that, it's actually a very fun game. It's a back and forth. Everything's good. It still gets broken really fast when you make a theme deck and someone else's theme deck is better. And you're like, oh man, this deck just could never win in this in this matchup it's not equal it's not it's just not fun and it gets really frustrating with with these competitive games that are no matter how hard you try to play them fun i don't know and people right now if there are people screaming who are magic players they'd be like no 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 play commander or you know there's a couple other formats that kind of take that out drafting drafting is fine although drafting is hyper competitive too because there's usually a prize pool at the end we should talk about prize pools you want to do that fine <laughs> i was i was gonna let you guys what do you what are your feelings of I, tournaments where if would you play a tournament if there was no prize pool like there's just play a basically brownie points to walk away <laughs> <laughs> okay but you have you you came to my KeyForge tournament thing yeah but i wouldn't like enter a tournament or anything like that that was like friends like 
That was like a friend thing, you know what I mean? Okay. What about you, Kitty? If you would you enter a tournament knowing that there's nothing to win? It's just you're gonna play, there's gonna be a winner, but there's no prize in the end. I mean, there's still the glory. <laughs> glory. Glory is a prize. <laughs> glory is the prize. <laughs> and and to me, you know, I think it depends, you know how much glory I would get versus how much effort it is. You know, there, there's like a, oh, it's going to be so much effort, but like people will recognize me on the street and I will like somehow make a living off of this now because I have like, you know, won this amazing thing. Yeah. Is it more than I a mean, handful of glory? It's like, you're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. If it's a pile um, of glory, you're in. If it's like a, a pittance of glory, No. All right. If I have to travel more than an hour. No. <laughs> so this, what is the concept of this whole competitive thing is kind of, obviously it comes out of Keyforge, but I'm trying not to just talk about Keyforge because we just got back from the vault tour. We're preparing for a vault tour in a month, which is actually a double one. And I really enjoy the game. I enjoy playing it in a tournament style round robin type of thing. But, the, but are at, you starting to see the same deck over and over? No. Are you starting to see some of the same combos in the same decks over and over? A little bit, but even then, not as much. What I'm starting to see is, oh, man, I don't have a deck that has as cool a combos as that one does. But in all honesty, the ones that win, like, I don't think I I lose against the same combo every time. And I still feel like if I lose, that's fine. I'm, I don't have to play that deck again. And I feel good about that. But it's not the decks that are the problem in Keyforge. It still comes down to the players. When you get into the like the final eight or you know top sixteen, top eight, you see the same type of these hyper competitive players that are taking things way too seriously to the point where I was sitting next to someone. This was not in this last vault tour, but the one before, where the person called a judge over. Because someone forgot to flip their key or basically buy a key at the beginning of their turn, which is a mandatory step. You're not allowed not to do it. But he he drew his he chose his house and he didn't flip a key. So the, his opponent called a judge over saying he missed the key flip stage. So I'm just I want a ruling to know whether or not he gets to forge a key or not. Like that's the ridiculous level of things that happen. And those types of players I see. At this, at the highest levels, and that bothers yeah, me. Yeah, so that's much. kind of I don't know. I would, that's kind of BS. You just be like, "Hey, flip your key." Like, I want to play against. If exactly. I'm playing, I want to play against the best version of my po- opponent, not win on a technicality. Yes, I think there are some people though who feel like the technicality wins are fair wins, and it doesn't bother them at all. And that's I don't who we're talking necessarily about. Necessarily think there's anything wrong with, no, there's that. Something wrong with that. What I like about <laughs> Keyforge was well. What I like about Keyforge is that I'm sure when he called that judge over, I bet he got a warning too. Oh, yeah. Both people got a warning. So not only did the guy who called the judge over get a warning, both sides got a warning. So, yeah. which is, and two warnings disqualifies you from a tournament. Yeah. It, it gets to the I point, think these people are going to technicality themselves out. Well, it got to the point where my, like, ugh, those types of things bother me so much where if I were to play him, I think I would just, I would force. A call. Just, yeah, go ahead. Call a judge because you're the one that's getting kicked out of this tournament. You want to play that way? Fine. I can play your tactics against you just as easily as your tactics. It's just, oh, it's so frustrating because it's a game I love and people do these kind of things that just like, it's against the spirit 
of the game. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is against the spirit of the game. And, you know, it, it takes away some of the joy. But at the same time, Keyforge is such a new game. And, you know, these tournaments still feel very welcoming in most respects. Yes. And I don't want to, like, bash new players because I think it's great that there's new players. But there are people who are playing in these Vault Tour tournaments that you know, they don't have their own tokens. They don't have, you know, they're they're sitting down with like some of their first decks learning how to play. And as somebody who has been practicing, who's been studying, you know, I like to, you know, kind of be a teachable moment. And I don't teach them how to play their hand. I don't ever say like, oh, you shouldn't use that that way unless they're breaking the rules. But I make sure that when I'm playing, I'm always saying exactly what I'm doing. Like you have to like dictate your turn and it helps me stay honest. It helps people know what they're doing and no one can call me on I didn't flip my key or I didn't draw my hand. And if somebody goes to do something while I'm so, you know, player change is very important. And if I'm still drawing my cards while they start playing, like that can change the effects of things, especially with these time call rules as they are. Yep. It's like, wait, I'm still drawing. I'm drawing to six, you know, so that, you know, if I have chains, they have a chance to stop me and say like, oh, no, you have a chain still. You have to draw to five. You know, like I'm giving myself and them all these opportunities, but it makes it so slow and it like turns it into this kind of <laughs> unenjoyable slog. <laughs> well, with new players, my my approach to that is similar to yours. I will make sure they are they know the rules but I will not, in a competitive environment, I'm not going to help with strategy. I will say, yeah. yes, you can exhaust a creature to fight or reap, you know. But I'm not going to say, oh, well, you should reap with those two creatures and fight with that one because you really don't want to have this creature over here attack you. So I'll I'll do the rule assisting. If I'm playing a casual tournament, though, I will help out all the way. And I'm like, okay, this creature right here is really the most dangerous one on the board. Even though it doesn't look as dangerous, it can do this and this, and that's why you really want to get rid of it. Because it's a, it's a friendly environment, even though that's still in a tournament, because my local store tournaments are are friendly, but we still have a prize pool at the end. So it it's hard because I do want to win, but I don't want to win because of someone's mistakes. I want to beat the best version of my opponent as you know as Fletcher kind of pointed out it's not the technicality that I want to win on yeah and I you know in Keyforges there's a little bit of like I don't want to beat the person I want to beat the deck right and you know if you're not playing well it's not as much fun as when you have an opponent who's playing you know to their best and I feel like you were getting frustrated with me for a bit the last time we were playing where you Never. were thinking that I wasn't making optimal moves. Well, I will challenge so and very specific. So we've been talking <laughs> about <laughs> essentially we're prepping for the vault tour, right? So I know this episode should have just been named like King Chris have been prepping <laughs> for the vault tour. Well, but and then th that prep, part of that and and Sydney and I do this all the time. Like we will challenge each other. It's like why did you make that move when you could have done this? Because it's you don't see everything. You're like, I don't know what's in your hand, but I know what's on yeah. the board. And I know what you could have done based on what was on the board. So if I don't challenge you in saying, okay, you could have done this and you did that, and have you make a meaningful choice to decide which one, I'm not helping you get better. I'm taking advantage 
in my mind, it's like, oh, well, you made a subpar move and I didn't point it out because now I'm going to win. But that doesn't actually help you get better. In a tournament, yeah. I would have been like, oh, yeah, fine. Go ahead and do that. I have no problem with you doing that. But so I wasn't. And honestly, we talked through the whole move and I still did what I was going to do anyway because the hidden knowledge that I had in my hand changed things a little bit. And honestly, the suboptimal move was either three moves ago or I was just getting once again, the universe didn't want me to win because I had like three two 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 hands in a row. Yeah. And that's just awful. (laughs) So but yeah, so, so there is a little difference when you're practicing with somebody. And that's why these competitive games are are so tricky because switching over to another game we talk about fairly often, even though you guys haven't played it, is Homeworld. Sydney and I yeah. play in two different modes. We'll play in competitive yeah. mode, and then we'll play in question everything you do mode. Like, why did you make that move? Like, that doesn't, you could have done this or this. Well, so why did you do that one? And sometimes it's like, oh, I just didn't see that other move, or oh, this is what I'm thinking, and this is why I'm going that way, which really helps elevate your play, but it's also really annoying to watch. And it's really annoying <laughs> if both sides aren't into that same mindset. I I think in Dice Masters, I was a little bit on the side of you were trying to play like this level. And I was just F- tired and not into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's and another thing too. That's hard. Yeah. But with Keyforge, I'm like, I'm there. And it's so much easier because with Dice Masters, there was so much going on. There was so much I felt like I was missing. With Keyforge, I went to the store. I picked up four decks. We were playing them an hour later. I don't remember what the win count was, but I definitely won at least one, maybe two games out of four with blind decks. Yeah. And we were all playing just, you know, testing out decks that we wanted to see how they'd work. And yeah. that And had fun doing it. It was a great time. So... Spencer did not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get into the game more. He'll play it. He's not gonna. But he's not excited <laughs> about playing it. But. He's the person that I play to like refine my I'm making sure I'm doing everything by the book because I'm watching what he's doing and telling him why I'm doing, you know, like so I'm stealing. We're practicing, you take from your supply, I take up, you know, like how you move your bits, how you lay out the board, how you keep a clean board state, everything as it should be, so that no one can call a judge on me. All right, let's switch to you're in a tournament. So we are in a competitive tournament, and it can be anything. Sorry, everyone, we're probably going to keep falling back to Keyforge because that's what's fresh in our minds. That's what we do. Yeah, but this this can apply to any tournament. I mean, you can be a chess tournament. Actually, I do want to mention chess just a moment because I think what's interesting with chess is the idea of you took your hand off the piece, which is kind of a universal, okay, your turn is done signal. Yeah. And... Very few games have the ability to do that. Like, you can't do that in Keyforge, where if, you know, the start of a turn, if I say I'm going to play Shadows, and then it's like, uh, no, never mind, I'm going to play Sanctum, I could have done nothing at all. But my opponent, in some situations, could be like, no, you chose Shadows, and not let you take that back. But there's no official think, rule as to how that would work. I think it's once a card is played. Yeah, I would agree. Once a card is out, you cannot put it back into your hand. Well, I mean, this is, once again, for competitive play. The card is on the table. It has been played. There's, There's no, no backsies. Oh, oops. I forgot. I have an alpha. Yeah. Oh, no. I meant to do it in this order so I didn't affect my own creatures. See, I'll let people do that. I In friendly play. In I will in let a tournament? People, I'll let people do it in a tournament as well. Because I... You would let somebody... I guess it depends on how far it's gone. It depends on two things. 
Um, well, maybe three, because how far it's gone, yes. If I'm top eight, I'm probably going to be a little bit more by the book because you did get that far. The first and most important thing, though, is whether or not the person sitting across from me is a jerk or not. If you're a jerk, <laughs> sorry, no. If you're not... I'm sorry, you made a move. Yeah. If you're not, then I'm like... And I'll ask this, and it's like, are we going to play a friendly game, or are we, are we, you know, you played it in this order, there's no changing. And I'll ask right from the beginning, what are we doing? Because if they want to play a friendly game, I'm more than happy, because I don't have any influence on anything. And as long as no random event happens, it doesn't matter how far you unwind that turn. You're just think- as thinking As long as through. you can exactly unwind it. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's ever a question. If you're going back one step, that's fine. But if you're trying to be like, oh, I need to undo these three cards. I gained an amber here. I got this here. No. Yeah. Too much. It, too many with- ways that you could be like just – because it could all be razzle-dazzle. It could just be like, this was their plan the whole time. And now they're – oh, look, an extra amber somehow appeared here. See, that's why I'm testing if they're a jerk because – if they're not a Sometimes jerk. Sometimes people seem really nice, and then they bamboozle you. <laughs> they could bamboozle you. They're called con But I artists. do. I have done it. And, yeah. Well, and Keyforge is a pretty easy way to do that, too. Like, it's not hard to stack the deck. Um, you, you know, you just want to clump house cards together and stuff like that. So it's just I, I always hand my deck to the other person and say, please shuffle this as I take their deck and shuffle it. Because I want to do it as politely as possible. But also, I know that some people are just really bad at shuffling. And it matters. If cards get clumped in this game, it really matters. So I'm like, here, shuffle this. Because if I draw a hand of seven untamed and forge a key in the first turn, I want it to be your fault, not mine. It's like my standard <laughs> opening line. So it's and, and whenever like I shuffle the deck and like I have to draw one more card or something like that, I like, give it to him. It's like, please shuffle this because I don't want to draw a card off the top of the deck that's going to win me the game and have me be the only person that shuffled this. So I'll explain that's what it is. And that's also why I have no problem shuffling someone else's deck in a competitive thing. In non-competitive, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, unless we're practicing. Like I was shuffling your deck because yeah. I don't trust you. But As well, you shouldn't. <laughs> because I seem like I'm not a jerk, but bamboozle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyone who's been listening to 149 <laughs> episodes, they know the real you. All right. So yeah, but if they just started listening, they have no idea. <laughs> Hello, welcome, new listeners. I'm a kind person. <laughs> All right, you're in a tournament. You, your very first game in a competitive tournament. Where is your nerve level? Nerve level? I'm pretty nervous. Oh. Yes. Uh, not that nervous. I guess. I, personally, I get a little anxious. I feel like I get like this like frozen face <laughs> smile, and I turn red. I can, I'm, every single game I sit down at, I'm incredibly nervous. And at the end of it, I feel like if I won, it was just sheer luck. Yeah. Like, every single time. It's just luck. And I don't like feeling nervous. And I don't like, like, beating someone and knowing that I eliminated their chances of winning. Because ultimately, I'm a nice guy, usually. But, but you keep doing this. I'm doing it because I, <laughs> I like keep beating the game. people, but I swear I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I just over and over. But I like dead horse. I just I like the game. I like playing the game. And I'm wondering if at a certain point I will stop like playing the game because I do like playing at a competitive level sometimes. But if every time I play at the competitive level, I'm gonna be playing people that I don't like playing the game with. I think that can be a real problem. And I'm wondering 
because that's the reason I stopped playing Magic. It's not the money. It's not the collecting. I mean, I that stuff I was addicted to. I loved opening new boosters and having a full set of everything. It was the people I was playing against. It wasn't fun to play against people that were like so competitive that I couldn't just have fun playing the game. And it just makes me think about this as far as, you know, should I be playing at these competitive tournaments? Because I, I really look forward to them. And then I get there and I'm just like, oh, I almost hope I lose. See, I don't know. I I feel like if you're looking at like a small percentage and getting like frustrated about it, it's not like you're always going to find someone no matter what it is. It could be, you know, go fish tournament. Somebody's going to come there with a toxic attitude. Like you can't control that, you know, competition brings out somebody who's going to be very competitive and they're going to find their way to whatever competitive field they feel like they can dominate. But if you're looking at the majority of the field and it's still fun, you're still having a good time, that's fine. But I do worry that um, I I have been talking about not doing the Archon tournament at Gen Con and only doing the sealed because I do think it's becoming more of the pay to win. It's becoming more of like, if you don't have these six card combos, forget it. If you're not, you know, looking your deck up on decks of Keyforge and you don't have one that's at least an 83 or higher, you're not going to get anywhere. It It's less fun. Yeah. But then I, I got a really good deck, and now I'm like, maybe. <laughs> well, I still think it's fun to play, because you get to play Keyforge. And the nice thing about the round-robin format, again, any tournament works. We're just talking about Keyforge, because it's representative sample of our experience currently. Um, <laughs> but you get to play someone of a like record. So that second yeah. game, you're playing someone who also lost. That third game, you're playing someone who lost twice or won one, lost one. You're playing the same record yeah so you end up playing games that are relatively equally matched and they can still be fun and they still feel close so i like that but i do like sealed way better i like the fact that you know everyone's kind of in the same boat no one that went out and hunted hunt for these decks and yeah i I really i especially enjoy the seal survival i think it's more fun when you get multiple decks and you get to pick them because there is some skill if you're just doing a straight sealed where you get one deck and you're playing it it's luck of the draw to some extent. Well, yes, that's fine for a three-round tournament. Skill, yeah. yeah. But these bigger ones where you're getting three decks, you get a choice to pick. I think that's my favorite kind. Yeah. Yep. The three the, well, the vault tours are always open three, pick one. Um, they have two versions of the sealed, or it's an eight-person thing. So one deck and you just play three rounds. Or you have two decks and you play until both decks lose. Which is still turns out to be three rounds, but it's it's kind of a sur- a mini survival, which is kind of a neat yeah thing too. The sealed survival though at Adepticon, I think, was my favorite event I've ever done. Yeah, because and once again, it might just be because I opened like two of my three decks were real good, and it was real fun to win. <laughs> but you know, every time I've played a seal, I've had had a good time, and I've done you know at least okay. Yeah. I don't know. I've always said it is fun to win. It is fun to be in a sealed and, and open up a, yeah, a deck that makes you feel like you're a good player. And if you lose, it's still fun because eh, it was a sealed deck. I got a bad deck. Not my fault. I'll play again yeah. and try again. I still got to play a few games of Keyforge. Like I say, I the last Vault Tour, I lost. I went three and three. And once I lost that second one, which eliminated me from being able to get into the next day, every game after that was fun because I didn't 
it didn't matter anymore and I could just play for fun. And I wasn't going to drop out, not, not a chance. It was just fun to play. So I don't know. Maybe I like competitive games, but I like to not have anything on the line. Maybe. All right. It's like playing a certain level of like people who would want to be in a competitive setting, but have already lost. That's your, your jam. That's where you like to be. (laughs) Um, I like, well, all right. So this is, I'm not going to take credit for this, but the Covenant cast, uh, one of their last podcasts, because they're on hiatus right now, they mentioned they run a game store in Tulsa, I think. And they decided that they're open play where they, they have a lot of competitive card games, a lot of FFG stuff, and they were running tournaments. And at the end, you know, the winner would get prizes and the runner up. But they found that only competitive players really enjoyed that. Casual players didn't want to play in a tournament where they were, you know, everyone else was bringing their A game. They just wanted to try out the game. And it's not fun to go and just lose. So what they've done is they're like, okay, we're going to still do tournaments. We're still going to pair you up. You're still going to have win ratios. But between every single match, you can change your deck. You can completely different deck. Um, and this goes for anything. Keyforge, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, whatever the game. Every time you play someone new, you change your deck because they are not giving prizes for the winner. They are doing random draws. If you participate, you are put in a hat and your name's randomly drawn. If your name's randomly drawn, you're going to get the prize, whatever the prize support was going to be for that particular tournament, but it's going to be randomly given away to participants, which get, allows casual players to come and play. Competitive players are still going to come and play because they like to be competitive and they like to win. And the more you play, the more chance you are have to win something and you don't have to be good. You can just play for fun. And I really, really like that concept. And I'm really trying to encourage we go to that format for Keyforge at my local store. So um, I think it's foreign to a lot of people, though. Like a lot of people are like, no, no, no. If I win, I win something. Like, Are you just starting to feel guilty because you win all the prizes? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm starting and all right, if I'm going to be completely honest and I, I know only my friends listen to this show, but I do not bring my strongest decks to the store. I bring good decks that I haven't played before because I want to play new things each time I go. Every Wednesday night we go and I play a good deck. But when I lose, I know deep down, actually not even deep down, I know at the surface that if I would have brought my like super big killer decks, even though they'd get chains, I have enough of them that I could sweep pretty much every Wednesday if if I tried. But every time I don't win, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I just threw that away and this other person's winning. And, I, and they're my friends that are winning. So it's like, I, I, don't, I don't like feeling that way. So I really like this idea of play. And just for every game you participate in, you get one chance of you know, your your name in a hat. And if he was going to give away five decks, he draws five names and those are where the five decks go. So you could win more than once, but, you know, you just have that chance of you showed up, you played, you participated. Because we know there's people that don't want to play on Wednesday nights because they don't want, they don't like that competitive feel of things. So I don't know. It's it's really, it's tricky because I try to stay away from these super competitive games, but I, I love Keyforge so much that I can't do it. I, I just, I want to play this game and I want to figure out how I can make sure I don't get burnt out in that competitive nature. <sighs> All right. We have some input. 
Um, let's see. Let's let's just jump to Todd, because Todd actually brings up a good point here. He says, I have to wonder how much of it is cash prizes on the line. I've never played in a Magic the Gathering tournament, or any official tournament for any game, really. But I've heard a lot of stories about cheating. Some people get into the mindset of must win at all cost, and justify any action to achieve that. Having stakes seems to increase such behavior. So this is kind of what I'm going at, where it's like, if you take away the stakes, do you take away that ultra-competitive behavior. I don't think you do. I think maybe it's less incentivized, but I I think it's just the nature of the game that it's there a bit in some way. That maybe the higher stakes, the more likely it is, but just because it's not high stakes doesn't mean it won't be there. I think yeah, I mean there's always going to be that made com- any it made sense. sense. <laughs> yeah, I I can yeah. There's going to be a competitive edge there. But if there wasn't Oh, I was going to say like maybe like the cash prize kind of tournament brings out a different kind of player more willing to participate in those tournaments or like will only go to those tournaments as opposed to the more casual player well and it's good for the games like magic the gathering has a pro tour 32 players that wizards of the coast pays a salary to it is their job to play in these tournaments and there are big prizes when they win it's kind of like the world series of poker you know, and actually, who mentioned that? Um, I want to say, was it? Eric? Yeah, Eric mentions like I can see some games in uh, games improve as the stakes increase, like poker. But I'm not really interested in that. I'd rather enjoy the company of my fellow players and experience the game that dominates everyone, or that dominate everyone with my knowledge of the game or strict enforcement of the rules. If someone is doing that to me, I'll generally put up with it and get through the game as quickly as possible. If if I'm still enjoying it. So essentially what he's saying is when you look at these games that have stakes to them, you know, poker is not a fun game unless there are stakes to it. Like nobody's playing casual non non betting poker. Like even if you're just using Skittles, poker is about the stakes. Oh man, you reminded me I have a bag of jelly beans. <laughs> Darn it, Chris. You can do it. Hold out just a little bit longer. So I, I don't know. I do think that there is something to putting that those cash prizes in there. It it can bring out, especially if you're making a living at it. Like this is your job. But I think there are still people who, you know, this is their job. This is what they do. They respect the game and they want to bring that level of respect to the game. And something where, you know, there's a pro tour. I'm sure that those are the kind of people with that integrity that, I mean, I want to think that. I don't know that. <laughs> but I want to think that it's players with integrity that are, you know, getting to that pro level that are there. That the people who have these kind of, uh, gosh, we just talked about this game that's based on the cartoon race, the wacky racers. What? <laughs> and, I'm going to give always you like, a podcast stare of, huh? <laughs> so there's this it's like the wacky racers something like that it's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon and you know there's all of the regular racers that are doing their thing they're just regular but there's always like the bad guy racer who's trying to use their tricks to win the race they never win and it just like ruins the race for everyone but you know in a Hanna-Barbera cartoon it's hilarity yeah I lost I lost the I also think that Trailier. that's the moral of the story because honestly, if you if you get away with those tricks, oftentimes those are the people who win. It is a completely separate topic, though. I think just in general, cheating we in games, about yeah, cheating. <laughs> yeah, is 
it, it goes beyond. If you're competitive to the point where you're willing to cheat to win, you're not a competitive player anymore. You're a cheater. And that's yeah. a very different thing. I I think that it may feel similar winning at all costs, but there is a, there are rules for a purpose. And if you want to win a game, you have to play within the rules. And I think if you're trying to manipulate the rules to the boundaries of where the rules go, you are like pushing the boundaries of like cheating. It's like a thin line at that point. Like if I'm trying to, instead of playing the game with integrity, I'm trying to use the rules to win, that that is a level that I don't respect. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's those technicalities that are an issue too, right? Because the rules of the game versus the rules of the tournament, we mentioned, you know, almost every tournament, I think every tournament has some kind of going to time rule. You've, you know, we're calling the match at 35 minutes. At that point, here's how the game plays out. Well, depending on those going to time rules, and currently they are terrible in Keyforge, but like just terrible. Very bad. <laughs> terrible, terrible. I'm still trying to get them changed. I Every single time I see someone, I like, it's so simple. But anyway, not the point. Not all of them are terrible. So... But if you know what those rules are, you can often game those. And that's why Keyforge is terrible, because it's so easily gamed. My change, can't game it anymore, whatever. And gaming the system, like the technical tournament rules, that is, like, that's the worst kind of play. Like, yes, fine, you're playing within the tournament rules, but you are not playing in the spirit of the game. You're not, you're stalling, you're... You're setting yeah, it up. Yeah, I guess that was my worst experience was when I felt like somebody was intentionally slow playing because we were getting close to time. And that's just so frustrating. And it's hard, you know, because there are people who honestly need the time. And it's very frustrating when that actual need comes up against, you know, who's faking. And you don't want to have to make those distinctions. And it's just hard in competitive play, you know, there has to be something. There can't be like, oh, and then, you know, it's not Quidditch. We can't have this last seven years. We have to finish this tournament in a reasonable amount of time. Why can't they just do like the, uh, it's hard. you know, chess? Like you can play like a, you know, 10 minute game of chess or whatever. So you each have like timers. So I would love to have a time I clock in Keyforge. That way there's side. a time overall yep. for the game, but no one can stall. Yep. Well, and it's one of the great things about chess and the so i was like competitive games that are that's another topic that is probably worth bringing up a little bit competitive games where everything is on the table you it's open information versus competitive games that have a random element to it when with chess because it's all open information you are both at exactly the same vantage point everyone's studying the same board the only thing you're reacting to is this person made that move that's all i have to react to and i think that you can put a chess clock on there. You can say you removed your hand, so that was your final move. You can do those types of things. It's a little trickier with Keyforge, but I would so love if our industry is a general, not not just with Keyforge or competitive two-player games, although that would be great, but just in general, put a clock on everyone's turn, and that was the status quo. <laughs> oh, I would love it so much. Because I'm curious. I'm curious how long I take to play. But, you know, if, a, if the game says it takes... 20 minutes per player, then give everyone 20 minutes. And when you've used your 20 minutes, you no longer get to take turns. You're done. That would be amazing to me. That's such a harsh attitude. You Uh, would not enjoy playing like that for real. I probably would because I like speed playing 
through certain well most games i like playing through them as just to kind of get more plays in but with keyforge though i'd be totally fine with that it's a 34 minute game everyone has 17 minutes once your 17 minutes are up you no longer take a turn and i would that would be amazing to me or actually the first person who hits 17 minutes you just lose that that's works the too. En- well i would say that's the end of the game yeah uh well it couldn't be because it, it would be the end of the game, but you'd have to be the one that lost. Otherwise, you could game that again. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you could be true. like, I have two yeah. keys forged, and I'm just going to sit here. Yep. Oh, game's over. I win. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I would, that would be amazing to me and a much better timed system than anything else. Because, and the reason you can do that with Keyforge and chess and anything that's asymmetric, anything that you're only you're the only person doing anything on your turn is because you're not reliant on your opponent that's going to occupy and do stuff on your turn. Like, they don't take up time. It's all on you. So it would work with Keyforge. Huh. All right. Maybe I'll try that one next. <laughs> it's not a very friendly way You and way Sydney play, start testing it. It's not a friendly way. No. But I it's like a way for tournament. having a friendly right. competitive feel. <laughs> well, oh, it's hard because in a tournament, it can still feel very friendly. And honestly, Chris was talking about like, oh, once you get to the top eight, I lost my very first match of the last vault tour to somebody who went on. I think he only made it to the top 32, but still out of 200 people. Yeah. I got beat by one of the better players in the tournament. He was a super nice guy and I was really close and it felt kind of bad because I didn't game the system. I put my best deck forward first and then it got beat by a really good deck that went all the way. I think he was still playing that deck on the second day of the tournament, you know, and it's just those things are going to happen, but it was still really fun. And I met a super nice guy and a bunch of his friends who were playing around the table at the same time. And, you know, I'm shouting down to Chris while he's shouting at his friend. And, it, you know, it's, it can still be really competitive and really fun as long as everyone is bringing the right attitude. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, Sydney lost to the person who ended up winning the tournament, the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. And she didn't get a great feeling about him when she was playing him. Like, she, he, she's just like, he wasn't the most friendly of guys. And then I saw an interview afterward, and he wasn't in any way humble either. It was, yeah, you know, I got a mediocre deck, and I just did the best I could do with it. I'm like, seriously, dude, you're, you're going to be like, I got a mediocre deck. And like, I don't know. It's that kind of thing. It's like, be a little humble. And sure, mm-hmm. he had, you know, he had, quote unquote, a team that, you know, the other players that he played with. And a lot of people had really nice things to say about him. I just got a kind of a bad vibe. He just felt like overly cocky, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Harry you Potter. people that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter Pokemon. It's a co-op. There's no competition. You all work together to fight off the dark forces. Maybe we need a tournament version of a cooperative game. I don't think that works, though. I don't think so. Well, you could have a team, but you would have to compete against other teams. You couldn't all cooperate. I'm going to come up with a way of having a cooperative tournament. It's going to be awesome. Whoever cooperates the best gets moved up to the next team. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know how on earth you're going to do this. I'm really intrigued. Hmm. Now, now I'm... All right, that was a test. No, they do have cooperative or tur- or pandemic tournaments and things like that. Um, and the way I've seen those run is the cards that you draw are all the same for everybody. So 
everyone's going to get the epidemic at the same time. Everyone's going to get the same cards coming out at the same time. And then it's just a matter of the people at the board, how well they do based on that. Mm -hmm. So I I like that. I like, I think that's an interesting way of making pandemic competitive. A team though. Yes. Yes. It's, yeah, you're still, it's still competing. competitive. You're competing as a team. Yeah, but it's like saying soccer is not competitive because you play with the players on your team. Sort of, <laughs> soccer is competitive, but the so is a pandemic tournament. <laughs> the interesting thing about the pandemic tournament, though, is you never are face to face with your competition because your competition, mm-hmm. which is an interesting way. Oh wait, what? You're not face to face. So yeah, because everyone's playing their own game and. You have, if you win, if you just, you know, yeah. eradicate all the diseases, you go on to the next round. Right. But I guess your competition is like the so, board, right? And the board doesn't have a face. Right. Right. And you're just trying to play the puzzle the best you can. And then when you finally get to the final round, it's whoever eliminated everything or, you know, then they'll have some tiebreakers as to how what the tiers are from there but it's interesting because you never actually see your competition you're just playing your game and then eventually you're told whether or not you win or not so it's like oh all right you don't have to deal with the hyper competitive people because you never have to see them which i kind of like just the people on your team just the people on your team yeah and hopefully at you that have point- to deal with me <laughs> <laughs> all right so i think i've talked myself out of playing in the vault tours i i never want to play a competitive game again but if I do, I'll just Don't lose worry, the you'll first probably two. have to face me. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I've yet to have to face a friend in any of the vault tours. That is so, true. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people there. It's yeah. It's like a one in I guess it's like a one in thirty chance, if you think about it. Or is it like the birthday? And then if more than one person makes it to the next day, I think it becomes like if more than one of our team would make it to day two, I think it becomes much more likely. Yeah, it actually becomes far more likely the more people we have, too. So me and Sydney, if there's, you know, 128 people playing, there's a one in 127 chance that we're going to play each other. The three of us, though, now there's a two in 127, which is really like a one in 64, so which is much better. And then you have three people, just more math, but I'll stop doing Doug, yeah. Yeah. Um, But then once you start having similar records, it goes more and more, but... Yeah, if we did have to play each other, there's, I guess there's strategy in that too, especially if you're playing in a team. But again, that's metagaming the tournament rules. It's like, all right, which one of us do we think has the better chance? And then, yeah, no, we won't have to face that. All right, um, we are running long. So we're going to do, do you guys have any listener mail you want to touch on? Or can we push that to... We can push we it. We can do that I was out of time. town. All right. <laughs> I will say, Don... Uh, message us on patreon so last week i think it was last week we the last couple weeks we've had some internet issues but last week (laughs) fletcher decided to take screenshots so i posted those on patreon and behind me are some calic shells from ikea and his his question was i'm confused by all the shelf space that is not holding games so when i'm recording and recording in my office but even then if i look behind me i have arkham horror and i have all of my game of thrones cards and binders and there's a keyforge box on the top and below that below the the sight line is all my shadespire stuff so don there's there's still games back there but i also have this same video angle when i'm taking conference calls for work so i tend to minimize it so if you don't know what you're looking for you don't know how much I'm you could you really could also just you know share a photo of all the 
shelf space that you do have that's filled. That's not in frame. <laughs> I think it, I'll 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 put yeah. Actually, I need to do a yeah, new picture a current, of it. Exactly. It's been a while since you've put up the game, game room, room pictures, picture. and this is like a right before Gen Con at its maximum overflowing. No, 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 no. So that my game room is stuff I'm not bringing to Gen Con. So I'll take a picture of that, but then I'll take a picture of all of the extra shelving in the basement that is all of the Gen Con. Holding the Gen Con stuff? Yeah. I hate to say it. I've got a few to add to the pile. Yeah, I already have one by, uh, like one box of your stuff already. So. Yeah, and the Kickstarters, they keep coming. Yeah, I'm probably going to bring a good decent chunk of Keyforge decks too to like just kind of hand out to people. So... That should just, we should put our card on the front of those. <laughs> oh, that's a good call. Yeah, just take, <laughs> <laughs> just leave them around the convention. That could work. Um, they actually, Fantasy Flight was doing that for some stores. They they would do names that had the store name in it in some way. as like a promotional thing for those stores. So I wonder if they'll do that for us. If anyone knows anyone who works at Fantasy Flight, tell them that A, Hook they need... Up. Yeah. <laughs> They need to fix the the time rules. I got a perfect fix for them. I've already emailed them four times. Um, or I would love to just get the old Keyforge name on it. He who talks of tabletop games or something. Uh, right. Reminder. You don't have to use Chris's suggestions. <laughs> you do not. Um, I Reminder. This is the last week to enter the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game giveaway. This is the core box and the Curse of the Crimson Throne. These are the newest sets, uh, kind of the second edition. Email us at feedback at tabletopgamedoc.com. Send us some questions as that kind of work well in that whole listener mail section. Um, you know, moderate meat. If it is a really meaty question or if it's a show topic, we are certainly willing to accept those and those work as well. Um, let's see, Gen Con, we talked about that. Our show was Friday at 8 p.m. Uh, in the stadium. So get tickets for that if you can. And I will be at Dice Tower Con next week. What else do we have? Anything important? Nah, I think that's probably good. Uh, you can follow us at Facebook. Who, who typed that in there? <laughs> slash. I think our show notes are haunted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I have to post these ones. Um, there's... <laughs> Don't worry, patrons. If I miss a, a day or, two, or a week or so of show notes, you're not missing anything because it's literally just copy and paste from the old Pretty much. with nothing new. But yeah. In this one, Kitty's talking about jelly beans and Facebook has a boo. I don't know. It's These are real-time things. Anyway, we're at Tabletop Game Talk Podcast on Facebook. Twitter is Tabletop Game TLK. Kitty is Lawful Good Mom. Fletcher is Net Fletch. I'm Game Master Chris. I will be posting my Harry Potter Pokemon Go invite code. So if you're on Twitter add me um if you're not on twitter i'll put it in the show notes for this episode because i want to see how many friends i can get and um if you want to check out patreon go to tabletopgametalk.com slash patreon remember all of our patrons are automatically entered in all of our giveaways without doing anything but if you do email us questions you'll get an extra entry um all right i'll stop talking Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Thanks for listening, and remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Adam Harrison, The S2C, Jason Strong, Terrence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Stephen Phillips, Caleb O'Brien, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Redke, 
Nick Wickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Schwartzel, Anne Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate Baz Flintham, Baz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Selander. Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Verning, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Connor, Jason Wolkowiak, Eric Jewel, I'm sorry, Emil Jewel Jacobson, uh, Marina Stevens, Brady Beltzner, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, also happy birthday, Leanne, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, and Joe Rackstad. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So Sydney wanted to go out playing Harry Potter twice today. And the first time she went out, it started raining and she immediately came back. The second time she went out, well, she got ready to go right out and it started raining. Just before we started recording, I'm like, okay, it's nice. I'll take a walk with you. I'll come back and record. And then you can keep walking the park. About 15 minutes into recording, it started downpouring. And I'm wondering if she's home or soaked or hiding <laughs> in a hovel someplace. So. We need to get that girl a poncho. Yeah. I'm going to go find my wife now. <laughs>